Hi guys, I'm Beth. I'm Lizzie. And welcome to Interested, the podcast for interested people. Grab a drink, sit down and join us as we talk about the things we love. Quick warning, there might be swearing. So if you're not a fan of that, maybe this isn't the episode for you. Okay, so I'm bringing the myth Prometheus today. Ooh. A Greek myth. Um, I was kind of thinking, I don't know what you think, but how much detail should I go into explaining about Greek myths? Because... I know that I know quite a lot about Greek myths. I mean, when you said Prometheus, I thought of the alien film. Okay, so we're going to go right to the... <laughs> okay, okay. Um, <laughs> okay, fine. the things in the eye? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, um, I'm just scared. When I say kid. Prometheus, <laughs> uh, I... No, I don't mean the alien. Oh, okay. That's was good. it like a sequel or something? No, it was like an. It was like a. I don't know. Let's not. Okay. Let's not go on that. We're not going to to the alien series, but um, yeah. So uh, I'm bringing Prometheus today because um, it cheekily links with last week's episode, which Ooh. was Frankenstein, um, because Frankenstein is called Frankenstein, but it's also called Frankenstein or the modern day Prometheus. So I didn't talk about this last week because I wanted to save it for this week. Um, But yeah, if you haven't listened to the Frankenstein and Nikola Tesla episode already, um, then check it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. And hopefully you will know how to get that because you're already listening to this. Actually, it comes up pretty close when you search them. Oh, really? So if you search for interested podcasts, you can find us. Nice, nice. Um, So yeah, it links to... um, Um, It links to Frankenstein because um, Prometheus is a creation story, or one of the Greek creation stories, but I won't go into all the other different creation (laughs) stories because we could be here forever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Prometheus is a titan. So um, just quickly go through the Greek strata of gods. Um, First you had um, Uranus and Gaia, who were the... I know... Sorry. Yeah, insert laughing, your anus jokes. Um, and they created the Titan race, uh, led by Kronos. And then, if you know anything about Greek myths, you probably know about Kronos eating one of his children. Yeah. Um, and then Zeus was not eaten, but replaced by a stone by his mum. Oh, yeah. And then he basically made Kronos throw up all of his siblings who mysteriously were growing up inside of his belly. Like yeah, sounds legit. It's all a bit wild, but um, basically uh, the gods... Kronos wanted to get rid of the gods because there was a prophecy that his children would defeat him. That is what happens, and it's called the Titan Titanomachy. I don't think I'm saying that right, but it's basically this big war between the Titan race, who were like massive physically gods if that makes sense um and they're just the older generation of celestial beings within the greek myths um so prometheus um has a brother who he's a titan uh, as well um he has Prometheus, uh, prometheus epimetheus atlas he might know atlas as well yeah, if anyone he... knows about greek myths yeah um, he's the one who holds up the sky yeah yeah um, and the reason he does that is because he he is punished for fighting against the gods. Oh. When the gods eventually win against the titans, they like cut up Kronos into like many bits and fly them all about in the so world so they can't reform because you know immortals and that. Um, yeah, very problematic. Not a good family dynamic. <laughs> um, but Prometheus actually means forethought in Greek. Um, Epimetheus means afterthought. So. 
um, Prometheus foresees that um, the Titans are going to lose the war and uh, so he convinces his brother Epimetheus to side with the gods and that's how they get away with not getting punished like Atlas did uh, which was because he had to hold up the sky for all eternity so the heavens and the earth don't crush um, one another uh, yeah so um, they also have another brother called Mon- Monotius but he gets struck down in the war as well by Zeus so um, yeah so Prometheus and Epimetheus get away with um, with being titans because they sided with the gods because um, Prometheus is quite a clever boy um, yeah so basically um, what happens is that um, Prometheus uh, creates humans out of clay um yeah and this is really interesting because uh historically uh the greek myth this greek myth comes from a babylonian tradition which yeah. is in gilgamesh it's a yeah four thousand year old poem that they're beginning to translate for the third time um shout out to in our time shout out to melvin bragg in our time and andrew smith who is yeah. the <laughs> the recent translator of uh, oh, the gilgamesh yeah. uh clay tablets super old super old like yeah. I said, four thousand years ago um and the Promethean myth comes from um the goddess Aruru who is in Gilgamesh yeah. who creates humans out of clay. So clever. Yeah, so it all really links with, with mythologies. Um so yeah, uh Prometheus creates humans out of a uh, clay. And um usually people think if they know this myth that just the fact that he created humans angered Zeus. Not really. Zeus didn't really like humans, he did want to extinguish all human life um but prometheus was like no please don't do that i don't want you to do that please don't please i spent ages making them please i really like them (laughs) they're chaotic and stupid but i love them (laughs) uh he's just super passionate about his creation which is why it links to frankenstein um yeah so um, the opposite definitely um so then uh let me have a look um so he begs uh, Zeus not to destroy the humans. Um, and then later on, they, this kind of explains how... Because uh, basically in the Greek tradition, you would sacrifice pieces of um, animals to the gods. You know, mm. it's, it's massively their religion to do that. Um, and it's con- like the sacrificing of animals is massive in both the Odyssey and the Iliad, um, which are two epic poems by Homer which I'll probably be talking about at some point, um, but not next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're super old, long poems that are really famous. And uh, the sacrificing of animals is really important throughout the whole narrative of both of those poems. Um, so this myth kind of explains how, um, what parts of the, bod- of the body of animals were sacrificed. Um, so basically, Prometheus tricks Zeus by making two bags out of the bull that is being sacrificed, right? Um, and he puts um, the parts of the bull which are meaty and fleshy and lovely in one bag and then puts the stomach over the top of all of that nice stuff, um, the stomach being the worst part of the animal to eat. Yeah. And then in the other bag, there's loads of fat-covered bones, so it's only fat and bones. Um, and Zeus falls for it and chooses the the 
bull bag with <laughs> with like um, fatty, bones. fatty bones and he's Zeus is like what the fuck he gets so angry so then he says well if they get meat they don't get fire to to oh. cook it so humans had the... so the the meat bag was for the humans no oh no so who no, gets the sorry. meat humans are living right now okay so imagine like primitive humans in yeah. this greek mythology um they don't have fire and um obviously they're allowed to eat stuff but this kind of it's like a it's like a a jury decide like the gods are deciding what parts of the animal humans should sacrifice to them oh okay. and prometheus is asked to be the judge of that yeah um the arbiter so because he loves humans he doesn't want them to get the um, nasty bits yeah he doesn't want to oh, get short changed um, but Zeus is like super mad. He's like, oh, well, if they get the meat, they don't get fired to cook it. Um, oh, okay. And Prometheus like, shit. Um, Should have thought of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, so this is the part where um, most people know, um, if they know the myth of Prometheus. Um, he's super good friends with Athena, who is the goddess of war and battle strategy and knowledge. She's very cool. Um, and she was born from the head of Zeus. Oh wow! During so she's battle, the brain. yeah. So yeah, she's really cool. Um, and Athena teaches Prometheus, who's also really clever about maths, architecture, astronomy, like loads of really cool stuff. I'm she's just smiling right now. Yeah, you're just like yes. <laughs> Athena is such a legend. Um, so because they have this lovely friendship, Prometheus is like, hey, can you sneak me up to Mount Olympus? Mount Olympus, for everyone who doesn't know anything about Greek myths, um, is the place of the gods, big mountain in Greece, obviously. Um. And so, yeah, Prometheus is like, yo, Athena, help, help, help me get into... Is that how the Greeks vote? Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, get, get me a, a secret pass into, into Mount Olympus. So she helps him, and this is when Prometheus steals fire from the gods and Zeus to give to the humans. Oh, I always thought it was humans who stole it. Mm-mm. So it was actually Prometheus. It was Prometheus, yeah, because he loves them. Because he created sense. them. Um, again, lots of links to Frankenstein. Um, hit up last week's episode if you know nothing Everyone about it. Everyone who, who hasn't listened to it is going to be like, God damn it. How? I'm going to have to go listen to it. What a shame. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so Zeus, um, again, is pretty pissed off um, and decides to cre- <laughs> uh, create woman as a punishment for the men. <laughs> Wait, so before this, there were only, there were only men. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it all makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and don't worry. Like, oh be- yeah, this this is fine. And they're helping each other cook. Cooking. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh no. Yeah, don't worry. I'll be talking about um the validity of this myth oh, or not. No. Um, but <laughs> yeah. So um, he makes the most desirable human um female that men couldn't resist. Um, but he also, <laughs> yep, <laughs> he also makes her equally foolish, idle. And I think lazy. That's oh, what because means. almost like humans are, are the same, but like just different. <laughs> different um, <laughs> yeah, so. And then, so this is supposed to be like Pandora represents all women oh, who are beautiful. Pandora. Yeah, so Pandora. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, so I forgot to say. <laughs> the girl in which Zeus creates is called Pandora, and everyone. 
I hope if they know nothing about Greek myths, they will have heard Pandora in some form. Yeah. Probably the wrong form, but probably the jewelry. Yeah, probably the jewelry. <laughs> uh, problematic. It's not the jewelry, all the bracelets, all the trinkets, but um, the first ever woman in terms of the Greek tradition, um, and she represents all women who are beautiful but equally mischievous, foolish, and lazy. Uh, <laughs> eat. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he asks all the gods to sort of bestow like all these lovely things to make her super desirable, and then sort of says to Epimetheus, did you remember Epimetheus? He's, yeah, he's the um, brother. The brother, who, uh, whose name means afterthought. Um, Prometheus sort of knew that, you know, forethought, knew that um, any gift from the gods would be like a Trojan horse. It would be looking nice, but... Oh, Trojan horses? Did it's people... fine, you're explaining it. Okay. <laughs> I just suddenly thought well, people understand what a Trojan horse is. I mean, so basically, it's, it's something which is... It's like a ship wrapped up as a present. Yeah, shit wrapped up as a present. Yeah. So basically, Prometheus is like, yo, to his brother, (laughs) um, anything the gods will give you will be shit wrapped up looking like a present. Um, So Epimetheus, remembering what Prometheus said, said, oh, no, I I don't want to marry this very pretty woman. (laughs) Um, Hang on, so Epimetheus was going to marry her? Yeah, so the gods, well, Zeus was like, hey, made this woman, marry her. And then as politely as he could, the titan, Epimetheus, was like, no, my brothers told me not to accept any gift gods give me. Yeah. Um, so then Zeus gets really angry um, again and decides to punish Prometheus because he knows that Epimetheus wouldn't have rejected it unless Prometheus had forethought yeah. that the gods would play tricks on both of them. Yeah. Um, remember, there's kind of like a like a generation hierarchy going on now. So the Titans used to rule, but now the gods have taken over. Yeah, so now they're the underlings. Yeah, the underlings, yeah. And Even though are like... they're, they're older, so technically, I guess, more powerful and wisdomful, but yeah. I feel this... like they've probably got more wisdom, but not yeah. as much power. Not as much, exactly, yeah. Um, especially Prometheus, because he's like super clever. And obviously getting taught by... Athena about all these crazy yeah. things um, so as punishment and again if you've ever heard a version of this myth then you will know that Prometheus gets tied to a pillar, sometimes it's said it's a cliff but it's a pillar um, by Zeus and every day an eagle or a vulture depending on what translation you decide to choose the eagle is the symbol of Zeus so I kind of like that version better but you yeah. know, it differs, basically a bird um, comes and picks his liver out every day. And because he's immortal, it re- regenerates in the night time while he's exposed to cold and horrible you know, weather. Oh. And then the next day, the bird comes again and pecks out his liver. And then he, so he's going through this eternal horrible thing. Um, yeah, and Zeus doesn't want to look petty <laughs> in front of all the other gods. So he blames his punishment... Um, on the fact that uh, Prometheus and Athena were having an affair. So, like, another thing where it's like, oh. yo, it's definitely the, the woman's fault. <laughs> um, Why is that even an issue? Because because Athena did let him come up to Earth. I mean, to Mount Olympus. So the Titans aren't allowed to go to Mount Olympus because oh, okay. that, that's where the power so is. So couldn't he just say... Couldn't he just have said, oh, well, this is the reason? 
He doesn't want to look bad in front of the gods and say that he just did that because they turned down a gift. So yeah. he makes up the fact that Athena and him were having a, an affair and Athena brought him up to okay. Mount Olympus. Honestly, does it make sense? Not really. But again, we're talking about divine creatures who create humans out of clay. And yeah, <laughs> so, you know, gotta, gotta just take it as it is. Um, so then Epimetheus is pretty horrified by the fact that Prometheus is having this terrible um, punishment. And so he just reacts again. He thinks later rather than at the time. Um, coming into Epi. Metheus, thinking later. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> some may relate to either both of the brothers, <laughs> one yeah. or the other. Um, so yeah, he just decides, okay, fine, I'll marry Pandora. Obviously a big mistake. Um, oh, no. And then, again, if you've heard this story before, you'll know that there's a Pandora's box. It's actually a jar or a oh. vase. In, um, Is that just like a mistranslation? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So uh, probably an early translation, maybe in in the Renaissance period, probably translated jar into box because it probably made more sense to yeah. to English people at that time, you know, and that's probably the case. But actually it was a jar because obviously they had these big big yeah. vase like pots to store things in um, in Greek times, not not like wooden boxes that yeah. perhaps English people would understand more than a, than a jar. Yeah. But basically, so this jar um, is, uh, is also given to Epimetheus as a present and he's Pandora is told don't open it yeah of course she opens it because she's a mischievous idle foolish woman (laughs) um and she releases all of the ills onto the world so that humans now experience death old age insanity illness all of the bad things and it's all the woman's fault of course (laughs) and at the bottom of the box um flies out hope now, for anyone who has... like, I remember being told this myth I in remember, primary school, yeah. right? And hope flowing out of the box was always like a... Oh, yeah. There's like yeah. a happy ending, kind of. Like when hope flies out. Yeah, when so. hope flies out, then there is hope. That's how it's turned out when we're kids, when we're told it. Yeah. But in the actual thing, it's called delusive hope that stops people from committing suicide. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there's also another really interesting in our time episode. Oh, is there? Because that's hope. how I know about this bit. Oh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Definitely check that out. I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so hope being the the deluding opium to all of the horrible things that humans have to go through. And it's all because of the women's fault. Um, now, you might think um, <laughs> this, hmm, this kind of sounds quite similar in its bare bones to the christian and also jewish creation story a patriarchy yes but it's also eve pandora is oh yeah pandora is eve eve is pandora so you've got to think that sometimes we like to think that and again this is where i'm going to start talking about relevance because we're like well why do we care about these greek people they just thought really random strange things and we kind of laugh at them they're like they believed in all this shit Um, but we've got we've got horoscopes now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't diss anyone. I mean, I'm actually like, I'm not really what? dissing them. It's just like they're they're doing the same thing. Like they're giving people something to base yeah, themselves yeah, on. Exactly. Like, you know what? Like I'm I'm definitely not dissing them because 
like I a I haven't done any research into them and b like if people if they give people happiness like why not yeah definitely so, so yeah that, like that wasn't a diss it's just like of all religions it's just like throughout all time there are things that like you can say yeah is like air quotes silly but yeah like they're all it's always relevant yeah so to like our rational quote rational scientific age that we're currently in thinking about these myths kind of yeah you might think oh it's so silly that they think that some dude created humans out of clay because we know that evolution is probably what logically happened um but um and and also we separate the greeks from the christian stuff but all of these myths feed into one another so the Gilgamesh poem is the Babylonian myths. They massively influenced the yeah. Greek myths. And then in turn, this creation story, which I'm going to go on to how it's not actually a true myth. Oh, okay. And I'll describe what a true myth is. Um, for those who don't know, and I didn't know until reading this. Uh, it's really quite exciting. Um, but yeah, so this, the bare bones of this story influences um, the the Talmud, which is um, a rabbin- rabbinic Jewish text that's really yeah. intrinsically important um obviously the jewish um religion came before christianity yeah but then also influenced influences the christian creation yeah. stories that we know of um so again in in that story in the torah and in the talmud um uh, uh um the angel michael archangel michael creates humans out of clay or i think it might be dust um you know, but very similar translations yeah. um, that are obviously influencing each so other. So this is the Jewish one? This is the Jewish oh, okay. one. Um, yeah, so the Archangel Michael creates, um, I think, Adam, I guess. Adam out of yeah. uh, out of dust. Um, and then Archangel Michael, Prometheus. Prometheus's counterpart. So again, we've got to realise that all of these myths interlock and influence each other. Yeah. Which is why I'm saying it's still really relevant because Cause like, where we are has come from, well, where religion has moved from, it comes from all the way 4,000 years ago from Gilgamesh. Because like, regardless of, of what like truth is, the people writing this down would have been academics. <laughs> they, would have, they would have studied the past. And like yeah. anyone... And then oral traditions that are lost yeah. are bleeding into every single mythology and therefore religion yeah that we so still have so like it's not regardless of what truth is yeah you, you can't yeah. dismiss the influence yeah definitely and it's really important to understand <laughs> why we currently live how we live it is still really really relevant so in the in the talmud again as i said archangel michael whose prometheus's counterpart creates adam from dust yeah it is from dust uh, the order of Jehovah, Jehovah being one of the seven names of God in the Jewish tradition. Okay. Um, not the mother of all things, which was way before with the Aruru goddess in mm. Gilgamesh. Very confusing, but um, there was total matriarchy before this, which is really cool. Oh, okay. uh, and there was kind of one goddess who represented the moon and so the, the female menstrual cycle. And yeah. um, that's all really interesting and not related. Kind of, it is related, but it's we'll talk like a about whole, that. It's time. a whole other episode, so can't talk about it now. Um, so yeah, then Jehovah breathes life into him and gives him Eve, again, giving yeah. women who have all these flaws and therefore we need to blame them. Um, and again, you know the the Garden of Eden with the yeah. the apple tree. Um, 
that's just Pandora's jar in a different... Yeah. You know, the, the bare bones of these stories are, are similar. Women are at fault. Um, yeah. And again, so then the Christian myth that Eve then eats the forbidden apple and brings all of the horrible things and then they're cast out from Eden. It's the same... It's the same storyline as Pandora and Prometheus. Yeah. It's just set in a different way. They've got different names and some of the objects are kind of different. But the intrinsic message is men make, women destroy, <laughs> and are the cause of of everything going wrong. Um, nice. Which is not good. Um, so, yeah. Now going on to whether this is a true myth. It isn't a true myth. And a true myth means um, a myth that is told through, again, oral tradition. Um, it's performed at festivals um, within within communities. It's within our architecture and um, their, their music and um, art and obviously religious shrines over a long period of time. Okay. This story is not a true myth. It's actually written by Hesiod, who was um, like a historian slash poet. Um, who I think he lived around Homer's time. Um, so he's kind of rewriting a story, um, a creation myth that is anti-feminist, it's anti-women. Um, it's actually a fable, we would say, not okay. not a myth. Um, so I find this really upsetting because, you know, <laughs> something that one guy created then influenced all of these religions... Yeah, I mean, well, like, obviously, it's not great that it's anti-women, but the fact that it was such a great story, like, that probably had... To, and, like, because I feel like the, pa- the patriarchy was probably well-established. Well... Or was it not? I'll, well, I'll let you talk. this is the problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, so as I was mentioning before, there was total matriarchy in oh, Greek and Europe uh, before, and then, and this is thousands of years ago this is before written word so it was in um in the stone age i believe and and early bronze age um then from kind of roughly the northeast there were people called the Aryans who um invaded and and flipped this up so all of these myths um and a lot of greek myths that are still with us today are rewritings of the matriarchy before. Oh my gosh. So it's like a political, religious movement to change the narrative. Um, yeah, it's, is... it's all pervasive and very complicated. So I, again, read the book that I've got all of this from. What, what's the title of the book? The book is, and I'll put it on the Instagram as well and possibly a link to Amazon if anyone is really interested because this is like the Bible of Greek myths. It's got yeah. everything. Um, it's the Greek myths, the Com- the complete and definitive edition by Robert Graves. Robert Graves is such a cool guy, um, himself. Uh, but it's look, it's amazing. And um, yeah, Robert Graves does this massive introduction explaining all of this, um, the matriarchy that that influenced okay. before. Um, so he basically says, you know, before we look at what the Greek myths, we need to know what what preceded them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know if I'd check out the whole book, but I definitely like to read like that introduction oh 100 I'll, I'll i'll lend it to you and it's just yeah. fascinating I, I haven't even read all of it but because actually so i was literally just thinking i was like it's and it's kind of like an awkward question to ask yeah because you don't want to like give anyone ideas but it's like why haven't there been more like 
societies where women have been like yeah it's been a matriarchal yeah but that got, makes so much sense if it, if it was and yeah. then it was just yeah like a, a Again, cultural i would love to go into this in more detail but it it's it's too much to yeah to just hang on to the end of this prometheus episode definitely like i'll need to do a proper one but it's i mean i'm and again i'm gonna reiterate i'm a feminist but the matriarchy that existed before written word rewrote everything was not better no no it's it's like yeah it was not better like i'll say that 100 percent. matriarchy patriarchy that they mean the same thing it means that one person's got one like sex has got control yeah um and power corrupts yeah that's Um, why i'm always like i'm a feminist i'm looking for equality equality. and nothing else yeah i i don't hate men i don't think that women are better than men because women can be pretty fucking awful (laughs) and this matriarchy before proves that if if women had the power it would just be the same as patriarchy just the other way around um like they do some nasty nasty sacrificing rituals yeah yeah but nothing that hasn't happened in patriarchy but the yeah, opposite yeah exactly so it's, it's fascinating and it's kind of upsetting that we Robert Graves wrote this in the 60s and we just don't know yeah, that literally. that there was a all pervasive matriarchy before yeah because I think like, you just need to be taught the two I'll just say the two reasons why it happened that women overruled men because we all think that oh yeah stone age if you're bigger you've got the power to go fight and yeah. and hunter gatherer blah blah but blah I suppose they all died yeah and actually those jobs were weaker sex things oh. um yeah which is really interesting like shepherding was weaker being um like a protector was weaker being a hunter was weaker um and it was because that women were still in the kitchen they were by the hearth but the hearth was where the home. The, the home was and the first social gatherings were so oh, they had okay. the political power that's so cool yeah um and like the the, the female god goddesses um within greek that emerge hestia the goddess of the hearth was one of the first few goddesses that they did horrible sacrifices to um <laughs> the other reason was that they they held the mystery of, of birth they didn't oh, yeah. know how it happened and it was oh, completely yeah fatherhood was not a thing they didn't realize that yeah. that men were involved and so in that time men were not husbands or f- fathers they were just pleasurable partners wow. that you wouldn't you wouldn't stick to so necessarily cool. um and so they believed that women would be impregnated by like, the wind wow and and lakes and rivers so obviously again like it's not yeah not we need to well i think we'll do an episode on on that more in detail because it's really cool but there's a uh i was listening to last night a podcast by dan carlin Mm -hmm. it's in the hardcore histories addendum feed Mm -hmm. and it's called glimpses of olympias i'm not gonna say anything about it but if you're interested in strong female like Mm -hmm. Not necessarily good role models, but yeah, again, like, like they were, they were not what I want. <laughs> like big influencers, check out that episode. Oh, cool. What kind of period is that? Um, so she, Olympias, is Alexandria the Great's mum. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So within this time, not yeah, because what I'm talking about matriarchy is like four thousand plus years ago. Yeah, no, um, this is not when she's yeah, yeah. Cool. So that's that's all I have today. Um, that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the Hesiod myth, 
it's not a myth, it's a fable. And um, it's unfortunate because that myth has um, infiltrated how we see women because Christianity and then well, before that Judaism was was written based on that, yeah. that anti-female myth that women are the cause of all the ills of men. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's why it's still relevant. So today I'm mm-hmm. talking about Ada Lovelace. Oh, and this kind of links into <laughs> yeah. And this kind of links into last episode because uh-huh. um, if you haven't listened to last episode, it doesn't matter. But um, in when Frankenstein was written, one of the people present was Lord Byron. My G, also and a bit of a prick, but moving on. <laughs> a hell of a prick. Hell of a prick. And he was Ada Lovelace's dad. Mhm. Yeah. Um. So. Yes. Oh, I, I love it when things connect. I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> um, I was actually kind of worried that you might have done Lord Byron. No, really. Oh, no. But it's fine. I was so, thinking, I don't want to go 19th century again. So yeah. I went for like um, as old as you could get. <laughs> so Ada Lovelace was the daughter of Lord and Lady Byron. And I'm not actually going to talk at all about Lord Byron. I'll um, definitely do something on him. Because, yeah, point. I was like, Lizzie. And also, her mum's more interesting to me. Um, so her mum was yeah tell me about her mum because I don't know yeah so her mum was Anna Isabella Milbank uh, obviously before she married before she married Lord Byron Mm -hmm. uh, which was shortened to Annabella and she was she came from really enlightened parents Mm -hmm. so she and her adopted sister Mm -hmm. um, were one of the first to be inoculated oh really yeah like I mean, that's just one, like, one of, probably one of the first, after they'd done all the experiments on the poor people. Um, Didn't Queen Victoria really push that? I'm not, I'm not sure. I think I've, I've heard something that she really pushed it. She may well have done. Super, um, super cool about it. Because, because anti-vax stuff existed (laughs) even then. Because people distrust science. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, um. She she was educated as a child in, and especially in mathematics and astronomy. Mm-hmm. Um, she, Athena, be teaching her. <laughs> she was super cool. That's so really cool. a few days after Ada was born, she runs away. So she, she just goes to sleep in Byron's bed like usual. Gets up the next morning, takes Ada and leaves. So the mum. The mum. Oh jeez. And. She gets custody of Ada, yeah. Which in this time that's was really rare, rare. super rare. That's so really rare. And because of this, she keeps documentation of everything because she was terrified that they were going to take Ada away from mm. her. Yeah. So she basically, um, there's loads of records of her being like listing everything that Lord Byron does. Um, and. But she she does it, so she keeps... That's really cool. It is. There's, and a, there's a Bronte book, I'll just interrupt her a little minute, Um, called The Tenant of, Tenant of Wildfell Hall, which is very similar. Like, a woman trying to leave her husband and have custody over her, her child. Yeah. So all really relevant problems for women at the, that This that book time. actually references a book. <laughs> Might be Tenant of Wildfell Hall. I think Hall. it is one of the... Yeah, I'll... Yeah. I can't remember which Bronte. There are three Brontes. I don't know. Um, it's but not my area. We'll be doing a Bronte at some point. Yeah. Um, so she was also a big activist. So she mm-hmm. was committed to prison reform, wow. um, abolition of slavery. Wow. So 
there was like this big conference um to do with the abolition of slavery the women weren't allowed to attend but they did and mm-hmm. there's like a commemorative painting um and i think she commissioned it and it shows Whoa. her and her her friends who were there despite them being barred from entering oh that's so cool yeah she was super dedicated um and she also established a school for like poor people who couldn't get an education in like masonry and like Whoa. carpentry and like so that they could have trades so cool that's so cool um and she was just doing this on her own as like a single mum yeah single mum wow and she was she really wanted to improve slum conditions and she believed that orphans should be taken care of by society not Mm -hmm. just left to die I guess yeah um (laughs) love that yeah not um and discussing rights for women yeah so you know she was like women should have rights obviously yeah and I've never heard about her and she deserves attention yeah wow yeah so. literally Ugh. and obviously when Ada's parents split up um this was big news mm-hmm. and so Ada was a celebrity throughout her whole life mm-hmm. like her like mum tried to these famous people her mum tried to shield her as much as possible um, but obviously, like, yeah, not people possible. were, mm. yeah. So, the book that I read this week is called A Female Gen- Genius How Ada Lovelace, Lord Byron's Daughter, Started the Computer Age by James Essinger. So, <laughs> I'm so excited. I was thinking about Ada Lovelace like yesterday. <laughs> James Essinger, he's like, oh, she, she foresaw the, the like use of CDs. That's no, she did not. Oh, okay. Okay? Like, she does not need embellishment to be cool. Okay. I was literally like thinking about her. I went into Oxfam and thinking about her, and there just happened to be a book by her for four pounds. Like, oh, that's so good. Like, so, I always think if, if they listened to her, we'd be so far ahead. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll get like, there's a lot of con- controversy. But Ada has a lot of tutors. Um, who come and go because, like, Ada's mum is like, you're not teaching her enough maths. Um, Annabella was very worried that Ada would become her father. Yeah. Because there was a long history of this insane behaviour. Um, from insane, Ada? No, from the Byron's insane in air quotes. Okay. Um, not in mentally yeah. ill. Like, yeah. Yeah, just um, wild. Just wild, and she didn't want Ada to have an imagination. Oh, what? Really? <laughs> well, she was just worried, like, she was just concerned. Mm, yeah. um, Which is ironic, because she, I mean, she obviously had to have sex with Byron to maid. Yeah. So, she was a bit of hypocrisy? Um, I think she kind of felt like she could cure Byron. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, problematic, um, okay. Yeah, which is why their marriage was so short. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she really wanted, I mean... I think the idea that she didn't want Ada to have an imagination, I don't really buy that. I think that's kind of misinterpretation. Yeah. I think she wanted Ada to be able to think logically. Yeah. So which it is why <laughs> which kind is of. why um she was so intent on Ada learning maths. Mm-hmm. Also, she loved maths. Like there's a whole lot of yeah, yeah, stuff to pick through in this story. Yeah. It was a lot of research just trying to figure out the facts. Yeah, oh, I bet. I bet. Um I really like that because 
obviously I knew that Ada Lovelace was Byron's daughter, but obviously I didn't I didn't know any of the history of who she was parented by. So yeah. I was always like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting that she became this this really scientific mathematic. Actually, it makes mind. total sense. And it ma- yeah. Now you're saying this. Oh, it makes total sense because Byron yeah. was just an absent shit dad. <laughs> yeah. And wasn't there to influence her in the artistic. Yeah, imaginative I mean, way that he was gifted with. To be with. fair to Byron, he did really want to know about Ada. Mm. Um, but her mum. But was. her mum was like, no. <laughs> I mean, you can understand because Byron was again yeah. wild. Um, yeah. And like, and also she was terrified that he was going to be like, oh, actually, I quite like this kid. I'm going to take custody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Oh, hundred percent. She was oh, like yeah, her mum was so in right. such a, a precarious situation. Yeah, obviously in such an inferior state in the eyes yeah. of the law. So and gosh. So where do you lie? Just first before you. Come? I lie in. Well, I'll kind of get to that. I feel okay, I'm okay. gonna talk about all the controversy at the end. Okay. Um, but first I just want to talk about her childhood, mm-hmm. so you kind of get a sense of who she was. Yeah. So she was born on the 10th of December in 1815. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, all this happened. Um, and she was... That was two years, two or three years before Frankenstein was being written. Yeah. Yeah. So, she, so I'm sorry, I'm just trying to like so place her yeah, in my so, like, knowledge. So Annabella goes and lives with her parents. Mm-hmm. And Byron um, goes to Europe because he's in debt. And, <laughs> yeah. and he dies a few years later. Yep. Um, he goes to fight in the Spanish War. Yeah, um, and then gets sick and just dies. Yeah. Like he wants to like die this really dramatic like martial death. He yeah. just gets like ill and dies. Yeah, kind of sad. But meanwhile, sorry, Annabella <laughs> is committed to prison reform and women's rights. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, <laughs> and also her mum is actually she's doing educating amazing. her daughter. Yeah. So. Um, so cool. From, like, a really early age, I think. From the start, from age four, she's... Like, her daughter's been educated in, like, maths. Wow. So, Ada Lovelace, the daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna... I'm gonna read out her schedule from from eight years old. Oh so, this word. is eight-year-old Ada. Um, music, 10 o'clock. French reading, 11.15. Arithmetic, 11.30. Work one thirty, music three fifteen, French exercise four thirty. She's eight. <laughs> but oh, wow. so a lot of climbing trees at eight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean not reading French. <laughs> yeah. What? I couldn't read at all. <laughs> you couldn't read at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, and she has a very intense education throughout her whole wow. her whole her whole youth. Um she dies at age 36, so oh, basically her whole life is her youth. So, oh, wow, 36? Wow. Which is the same age as Byron, Lord Byron. Wow. Anyway, so, wow. and her mum is super strict. Um, Ada was a kid like anyone else, mm-hmm. and there's, so, there's loads of really lovely letters about her writing to her mum saying, I'm going to make a flying machine. Um, and like, But to be fair, she's approaching it like a really, like, serious way she's like please send me like a a bird about a book please send me a book about birds so i can study them and get the correct ratio for like size to wings oh and wow she's like hope i would really like to be able to use it to fly across and visit you and you know what that is imagination isn't it it is to yeah 
Exactly. So she, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Um, her mum was often like away on these health retreats, health oh, okay, retreats, because okay. her mum was a hypochondriac. Okay. Um, and so mm. she was often away, but that was quite common for the time as well. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, also, they she's like an aristocrat if she's Lady yeah. Byron. So, yeah. Yeah. She exactly. has the money and has the has the staff to make sure that Ada's not just yeah. alone. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. definitely. So Ada's always got... She's not on her of, own. Yeah, no, she's, she's got loads off. of servants. She's got loads of teachers. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, so she's talking about this flying, and then she gets ill for three years. Ada. Ada gets ill. Oh, no. So she gets measles, and then Ooh. they think she gets encephalitis. She's in bed for three years, paralysed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She doesn't have a long life either. This is no, mad how much she she achieves in her so life. So eventually, after three years, she's able to walk with crutches. Eventually, she's able to just walk normally. Mm-hmm. But, like, some people don't ever get, like, some people don't ever get full use of their arms back after wow. encephalitis and so stuff. So she was quite lucky. Well, I think it probably was down to a lot of physiotherapy. Yeah. Um, so the, the family had the money to... <laughs> yeah, and just determination on Ada's part. Yeah. Um, after this, unsurprisingly, she did not <laughs> like sleeping in bed. So decides, oh, I really want to focus on my education. So that's when she really... She doesn't talk about flying anymore. She's, like, focusing on her, her maths, on her that's studies, cool. on her music. Um, she also goes through a rebellious phase Ooh. where she elopes with one of her tutors. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after after getting ill, she in the book it's like Ada had no intention of keeping this relationship pure. <laughs> um, but I don't think they did do anything because her mum found again, out. Again, her mum can't really have any like legs to stand on because she was sleeping with Byron, who was also sleeping with everyone. Like yeah, I was saying last week, but she was married to Byron. Yeah. But Byron was having sex with Mary Shelley's sister and having a child with her. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they, they were only married for like a year. Yeah, yeah. And then she found out that Byron was sleeping with his sister. Oh, God. And then she was like, yeah, I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I mean, I don't think, and I don't think there's any hypocrisy in Annabelle. In Annabelle, okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so, again, I still see the fear on her part because yeah. she's... She's just worried that her daughter's going to turn into a female Byron. A female, female Byron. Yeah. Which um, would be more dangerous for Ada than it was ever for Byron because yeah. he was a man. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, what was I saying? Eloped. Eloped. Um, oh, yeah. So, also. Um, so and also she doesn't want her child her like I said I don't know how old Ada would have been but maybe like 15 like eloping yeah <laughs> Mary Shelley vibes um, <laughs> eloping at 16 <laughs> you know she wanted she wanted Ada to have a hu- the husband that she didn't have mm. so a stable husband who could support her yeah and who could be her rock and a tutor was not going to be that like, no. Um, no. So she obviously fires also the Also marrying down in class. Yeah. So she wanted Ada to have a, a you know, yeah. a stable... Mm. I mean, I'd, obviously there will have been classism, but I think mainly it was she wanted Ada to have a safe, a safety net. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah. But psychologically, you can see why Ada did that. Because if her father was absent and precarious... Yeah, like and that, also then... Ada's mum had a very tight grip on her oh. daughter. And so she reacted Yeah, so this was a whole rebellion. And a lot of people demonise her mum. Mm. Um, oh, no, 100%. I respect her. Like, yeah, but, only, but only because I've told you about her mum. Mm. If I said, oh, her mum was like, don't be silly, don't stop with all this flying nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Um, people who don't know the background of, of Annabella assume, like, she was just this controlling, like, manipulative bitch. Also, I feel like there's so mu- there's been so much social change for women. Mm. So we're looking back in a very privileged state, like, oh, she should have been able to go with whatever boyfriend she wanted to. That's not what was no. Victorian no, tradition. That not. was super dangerous for a woman to a girl a girl to do yeah. that yeah Ada was very young as well like oh 15 I mean don't quote me on that I don't okay. I'm just kind of trying to because I know some dates and I'm just trying to fig- fit it in in the timeline okay um um Ada was also quite like clearly kind of afraid of her mum mm. like in the, a lot of the letters she wrote like there'll be one where she'll be like you can't control me and then she'll be like I'm so sorry please don't ha-. like please don't get angry so, when she's about 17, her mum takes her to London to kind of um, show, to kind of as the show her off to mm-hmm. London society. Yeah. Because she's now eligible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's introduced into society. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Um, and this is when she meets Charles Babbage for the first time. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, Charles Babbage. So, she... He is doing a um, demonstration of a prototype of his difference machine. To be fair, in all the letters, Ada does come off very like, you know, I'm going to try and improve myself. You know, she's she's obviously never been taught that she's beautiful or like intelligent at all, but which is super sad. Um, basically, it's a calculating machine, mm-hmm. um, which is just mechanical. Yeah. So it uses cogs. Uh huh. And it's super cool, but this was this was a prototype okay. called the thinking machine, and it could basically it could calculate squares and square roots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he demonstrates this to Ada and Lady Lovelace, and um, Lady Lovelace is really improved, is really impressed. But um, this is what a a friend who was watching says about how Ada reacted. While other, visitor, while other visitors gazed at the working of this beautiful instrument with the sort of expression, and I dare say the sort of feeling, that some savages are said to have shown on first seeing a looking-glass or hearing a gun. Miss Byron, Mrs Ada, young as she was, understood its working and saw the great beauty of the invention. So she understood it, not so just she understood marvelled it. at it, yes. which everyone else was like, whoa, yeah, but she didn't was... understand it. That's really cool. After this, she's, she decides, I want to focus on maths. Like, that's going to be my future. I want to be a mathematician. Um, unfortunately, at the time, she's got um, a tutor called Dr. King, which is not to be confused with another um, <laughs> Lord King in the future. Um, <laughs> Lord King? Yeah. Who's Lord King? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in a bit. Oh, okay. But this and is... also not civil rights movement Dr. Lou. <laughs> Martin Luther King. No, 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 not that. Wrong century. <laughs> um, so this is Dr. King, who um, probably was like a very good um, teacher, but 
he wasn't really good at teaching maths. Like, she's kind of like, please give me a syllabus, please give me a syllabus. Yeah, um, which has maths in it. <laughs> yeah, and at this time, at this time, most of her education was, because she was in a social circle of quite educated people, and they would kind of educate each other. Um, so it wasn't like paid tuition at this time, it was just really intelligent family friends. Yeah. And she also tutored two two girls. Oh cool. So in maths. So like this kind of shows like she was she was also part of that circle where you just teach people. Give and take, yeah. Um so yeah. Then she get this is where I have to clarify. She then gets so this is obviously jumping ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. She gets married to William King Noel, who is a lord, and later becomes the Earl of Lovelace. Okay. So she becomes Lady Lovelace. Right. Um, they have three kids. She wasn't that interested in being a mum, but she was an aristocrat. It was quite normal at the time. Yeah. Um, she had, like, lots of houses, so she just, you know, send them off to... Yeah. I mean, I can't say she was a good mum, but... Um, William, who's Lord Lovelace, was actually a pretty good husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so he accepted pretty early on that she was smarter than him. Oh, that's nice. And he encouraged her to study. Oh, so that's really cool. yeah, she she found a good husband S- and a strength, strength, strong character. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so for the first few years of their marriage, she was genuinely happy. Then mm-hmm. she kind of realized that she, I mean, like there are worse faults to have. He was a bit William Lord Lovelace was a bit aimless. Aimless. Uh, oh. Um, so a bit idle. Um, he just wasn't, he just wasn't the, like, passionate match to her brain. Okay, yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, like... That could be worse. He was worse. encouraging her to study, so, you know, can't That's, hate on that. We are. Um, so, she realises, hey, I want a better maths tutor. She's still pretty young at this time, um, probably early 20s. The correspond. I'm not going to read out the correspond. like, some of the extracts, because I had to do so much research to even figure out what he was saying oh i had to like, like i had to what maths he was saying you mean, no or? what he was his english oh, i had no. to listen to a lecture oh you should have, oh no no it's no. because it's it's all references to the time it was a oh yeah it's it's okay. like yeah no yeah. it wasn't just like the english okay. um so he says the power of her thinking meaning ada's thinking on these matters meaning maths has been something so utterly out of the common way for any beginner, man or woman. Um, so that's like an understandable chunk of it. Okay. Um, so he was saying like, this is from the start of their correspondence. And then he's saying like, if we encourage her, she can go like beyond the reaches, not only of like a woman's limits, but also the, co- the, the knowledge of the time, like she yeah. can discover more. Um, so she reignites the correspondence with Babbage that she'd previously had after she, after she, he demonstrated his thinking machine. Yeah. And she's like, hey, could you suggest a tutor? And it takes a long time, but eventually she, she has a correspondence tutor relationship with yeah. a guy called De Morgan. De Morgan. Yes. He says that, and then he says, I've no doubt that like, she would not become senior wrangler. So, and then it says, so if she was a, a, a student at Cambridge, she would not achieve the top position. Right. So okay. I read that and I was like, wait, what's he saying? Is he criticising? Yeah. Basically, 
at the time there were two schools of thought about how maths should be taught. Right. The first and like the most accepted was that you teach you learn you learn maths by a series of like you do lots of repetitive exercises to pass the entrance exams in Cambridge. Okay. And if you get super quick at these and super good, you get and you get the top grades, you become senior wrangler. De Morgan was very against this method. Okay. And he felt like you should ha you should think about maths more about the principles and the general ideas and the deeper, um, more more sophisticated way of seeing maths. Yeah. So when he's saying that she would not become the senior wrangler, he's saying she's not been taught in these what in this like sort of repetitive parroting mm. um method. Um but she would produce like she Better can produce maths. original maths. Yeah. So is... it's actually a compliment. Okay. That's really hard. Mm. Like yeah. The lecture I watched was by Ursula Martin. Mm-hmm. Um and she's she's so good. She's also written some papers that I read, mm-hmm. um, and I'll link them all. Then De Morgan goes on, and oh, I'm cringing just like thinking of it. And he's like, Oh, I, I'm worried about teaching her because um, she's so weak, and I feel like, because um, at the time they thought, like, to do an academic subject, you had to have physical strength. Like, what? so they didn't see a distinction between doing something great physically and doing something great academically it was like you need strength for for both (laughs) he was saying Ada Lovelace is so determined and so and she has the abilities to do this I'm scared she's gonna die because like (laughs) she's her body is too weak yeah basically that that thinking her tiny woman brain basically that's literally what he was saying (laughs) okay so obviously this is horrific I hate it of the time. But don't hate on De Morgan. He was also saying she was super smart, which is pretty revolutionary, to be fair. Yeah, and her husband was like, yo, you're yeah. smarter than me. And it was, it's more telling of the times. He's like writing saying, should we stop teaching her maths? To be fair to uh, Lady Byron and um, Lord Lovelace, they just ignore him. They're like, no. So at this time, Babbage has stopped working on his difference machine and he started working on his analytical machine. And he originally brought up the analytical machine in a meeting with Lady Byron, um, Mary Somerville, who's also a really fantastic mathematician. Yeah. Um, and Ada was there as well. And um, there's a, an Oxford College called Somerville. It's named after her. Named after. Oh, loving that, loving that. She yeah, she was super good mathematician. I was just wondering. I was like, oh yeah, is that her? Yeah. So. Um, and this machine was like an updated difference machine and it used punched punch cards which were taken from the jacquard loom which was a loom where basically you feed in these punch cards and it will automate embroidery of like people and really complicated oh yeah so before it would take like a whole day to do a square inch of embroidery. embroidered fabric which was like showing people or something yeah. After this, you could do two feet per day. Oh, that's really cool. Babbage yeah. took the punch cards and realised that he could use it oh. for his analytical oh, machine. Oh, cool, cool. And he never built any of these things. Apart oh. from the thinking machine, Babbage was... He was a procrastinator to the max. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, Why did he get credit for creating the computer, then? Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Because that's what we were, lo- we were taught in... In IT, I remember. 
so yeah um ada ada listens to like is there in this meeting and she's like wow uh, she spends the next few years like studying it, and so were they friends then? Yeah, they so were. They were really close friends. Okay, cool, cool. cool. Um, they were. There were loads of cute um, letters. Letters, and they used oh. to. They used to just like talk about maths and study maths. Um, so cute. There's like a really cool um, letter where it's showing the bridges of. Oh, I can't remember the place, but it's for all you mathematicians listening. Um, it's the whole travelling salesman, those bridges um, where like you're trying to figure out the way you can go across all of them without going across any twice. Anyone who doesn't know maths, I'm sorry, you won't understand that. <laughs> I was just like, oh, Lizzie has left the chat. <laughs> yes. Um, which ju- but the point of that is it shows that she's actually talking to him about really like crazy maths. Much later, Babbage has given a lecture in Italy or, like, an Italian that's listened to his lecture. The Italian wrote a paper. Ada decides to translate this paper. Mm-hmm. Um, her <laughs> translation is over two times the length of the original. Is that because she's adding her own... And she adds loads of... She adds extended... No, she adds extended um, notes. So these oh. are called Ada's notes. Ada's notes. Um, basically, she can't publish... Like, she could technically publish a paper at this time, but yeah. it would just get ignored. So this was her way of getting a paper, like, read. Oh, so cheeky translation, but also her, yeah, well, her think, additional thoughts on it? Well, I th- yeah, to be fair, Babbage is the one who, like, encur- is said to encourage her to add these notes. Because yeah. he's basically saying, hey, you know about the subject, why not just, you know, you know far more than this guy. Wow, wow, wow. That's um, oh, I love a good friend. That's yeah. really nice. So, so Babbage only... Re- only thought about his machine in the realm of maths whereas Ada had incredible foresight so she's the one who was like hang on th- with these punch cards you can feed anything in it can be abstract you know she foresaw the future of how um in fact I'll just I'll just read it the distinctive characteristic of the analytical machine is the introduction into it the principle which which Jacquard devised for regulating by means of punch cards most complicated patterns in the fabrication of brocaded stuffs. The bounds of arithmetic were, however, outstepped the moment the idea of applying the cards had occurred, and the analytical machine does not occupy common ground with mere calculating machines. It holds a position wholly of, the, of its own. The consideration it suggests are more interesting in their nature, enabling mechanism to, gu- to combine together general symbols in successions of unlimited variety and extent, a, uni- a uniting link is established between the operations of matter and the abstract mental processes, the most abstract branch of mathematical science. So what she's saying... Can you translate that? Yes. So what she's <laughs> saying <laughs> is, like, calculation machines just take numbers, spit out numbers. Yeah. This takes abstract ideas. Yeah. And spits out in a way that we can use it. So, so you can feed in anything. Yeah. It doesn't have to just be numbers. It can be symbols. Algebra. Ah, okay. So is this... Forgive me. I'm... No, it's fine. I don't understand anything. But <laughs> is this like a calculator? As in, you put like a scientific calculator um, that you so use the in different, A-level? Or? The difference machine was like a calculator. This okay. was, as Babbage saw it, a calculator, but far more like far superior to that Mm -hmm. so 
like a computer where it yeah. code code could yeah you can put it. code in okay so note g was a piece of code and that may on, that is said to have been the first computer code um wow now, so this machine that could could punch could so punch. you feed them punch cards okay it's we won't we like, won't visual i can't visualize that because no, i don't know what it means it's just a method of i can't explain it okay i don't really get it is there photos yeah. Okay, we'll put it on the Instagram then. Yeah. It's basically a mechanical way of telling the computer in in bracket in air quotes yeah. what to do. Okay. Yeah, this is where the controversy starts. It shouldn't even matter like who wrote um who wrote so note G basically has the, the what's cred what's like said to be the first computer code. Mm-hmm. And in Babbage's autobiography he says Everything in the notes was of Ada's own hand, apart from note G. But basically, it was a piece of computer code for calculating these numbers. And he said, I did this to save Lady Lovelace time. He was not saying that she could not do it. So who wrote note G? Did he write note hang G? Hang on, hang okay, on, just okay. bear with me. Oh my but, gosh. And then he says, but after, giving, after sending this note to her, she, she spotted a grave mistake that I had made and corrected it and there's a letter oh. saying i've included what i want to replace note g okay so exactly so she wrote note g because she corrected it and sent it and sent it also so just to make it to make it actually workable and usable her correction was well yeah because he'd made a mistake so people credit babbage because he well a whole wrote note... note g in quotation so if this was now this would be a combined paper like this would be two two people publishing together yeah because just from the correspondence you can tell from the tone of it that both of them had the ability both of them knew what they were talking about babbage was not organized to ever publish anything no (laughs) babbage (laughs) he wasn't he wasn't like he was just he could not get around to anything like he never built the analytical machine either he was capable but yeah but not he didn't we didn't have the money and i when i was reading all the the like stuff online about oh she didn't i was like yeah maybe she didn't when i was reading this i was like no she totally like, did she published in in science personally publishes as the person who who did it and if it was now this would be a joint paper yeah so um, they both have credit they should both have credit but ada does not get much credit like mm. so ada's death was actually really sad she mm. died at age 36 of uterine cancer oh no um, and it's so, it's a really really painful death. Yeah, she was just a really cool woman. And from my research, I would say yeah, she published the first computer code. So her code is the most complete code that that there's like because obviously in Babbage's notebooks there's like some code but it's very incomplete. Hers is the most complete code that's that we found. Yeah. There's no doubt that she was a brilliant mathematician. Babbage calls her his encha- the enchantress of numbers. Um, oh. Yeah. And his interpretess, because basically oh. she could explain, like, the computer was, was like, capable of, capable of in the future. You know, she was talking about doing great, like, all this other stuff, but she died age 36. Yeah. Her life was cut short, and... Yeah, who knows where we would have been if she'd keep kept on yeah and um Using that big brain of hers yeah definitely so in conclusion she is a g she is 
a G. She is amazing. So you you think she is a genius? Yes, yes. No, I think that she she, she isn't overrated. She is not overrated at all. Um, she was incredible. Babbage thought so. De Morgan thought so. Like those are the contemporary sources, and they have all the sexism that would have meant that they wouldn't have wanted to say that. True. The computer age could have been started earlier. Right. Yeah. If, if but... Babbage had got his act together, he'd hadn't died. <laughs> If the dream team hadn't just been yeah. not that much of a dream team. But everybody says, oh, well, Ada didn't really have that much impact apart from her incredible foresight. <laughs> like saying, hey, computers aren't just going to be calculator machines. We can use them for everything. Like letters. Because actually our Alan Turing did know about Ada Lovelace. Yeah. Because he references her. Mm-hmm. So... Want to explain who Alan Turing is? Oh yeah, Alan Turing is, um, he's the guy who built the machine that cracked the Enigma code. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great film about him. Um, I really enjoyed it. And there's the computer program that all like the U- U.S. like military stuff works on. It's called Ada. Oh. After her. That's really sweet. So, so yeah. she does get credit, but in a very underground way. Yeah, she gets credit, but then there's weirdly a lot of people. Of, like, smart people saying, oh, she shouldn't get credit. I think so, that's just right out of sexism, isn't it, though? Yeah. Because if, if and the let's article... say, Babbage had, had a correspondence which was the exact same with De Morgan, oh, no one would so question different. it. Literally, no they'd be like, it. literally. Um, wow, these two minds work together to create this, blah, blah, blah. And they both get credit equally, probably. Yeah, definitely. But so, a very cool person. She was super cool. Very cool genes. Yes. Very cool mother. Yeah. Who I think deserves like a podcast on her own. Anyway, mm. I'm wow. gonna stop talking now. Yeah, but um, a good, a good, a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> okay, thank you for listening to this week's podcast of Interested. Um, that's all for us for this week, and uh, hopefully you will tune in to whatever we've decided to bring next week um i just like to <laughs> apologize for some of the mistakes which we will always inevitably make as humans um from last week's episode uh, i was saying grave diggers were illegal <laughs> no i did, had no intention to diss the profession of grave digging which is very important to our society we need people to dig graves i was meant to be saying grave robbing which yes. was the practice of people robbing and it's still dead illegal. bodies it's, that is still illegal and morally yes. wrong so, so grave digging fine grave robbing not, not fine, fine. <laughs> yeah um also uh i think we were we were try we were mispronouncing philoctetes who was the painting um of a greek hero on the front of my uh frankenstein book which i will put a, a photo of on the instagram as well um, I think those were the only problems from last week, yeah. as well as me eating cereal. <laughs> Apologise. <laughs> Bath's mum got pretty high rate. We won't do that. <laughs> we won't do that again. I've been I like, quietly munching on Jaffa cakes this week. <laughs> Hopefully there won't be any noise from that. Um, yeah, so uh, as always, check us out on Instagram, as we've said many times already in this in this podcast uh there's loads of extra content lots of photos to sort of contextualize everything we're saying because a lot of the for example from last week you were talking about the gram machine yeah who knows what that looks like well you, now you, you will you will now if you go check out the instagram yeah. so yeah 
Uh, also, I was thinking, uh, Beth, I don't know what you, you think, um, but I was wondering if we could sort of ask anyone listening if they wanted to send us something that they were interested in. Yeah, so, like, definitely. So, like, two sentences, you know, it, nothing massive or anything, but but we can mention your name if you are comfortable with that. Yeah, 100%. Um, obviously, let us know if you don't want your name being mentioned. Yeah. Obviously, no, like... Um, so, we have an email. It's... Mm-hmm. Um, Is it interested.podcast at gmail.com? Um, Is that it? It's interested.podcasts with an S. Podcasts. <laughs> Um, at gmail.com okay I'll link it in um, the description as well yeah yeah okay so send us that um, by email or even on Instagram via a direct message if that's easier for you please leave us a review if you're on Apple Podcasts or mm-hmm. like or like us yeah um, it really helps um, yeah just share with your friends as well if you think yeah definitely think we're okay <laughs> we're, we're, we're learning we're going to make mistakes but hopefully we'll get we'll there le- you'll end. learn with us yeah exactly <laughs> cool okay cool thanks goodbye